0: And welcome back everybody. This is Big Ten Football and Beyond and I am Chris Landry as we join you every week at this time, 4 p.m. Central Time, talking Big Ten football with you. We're going to wrap up our previews today. Uh, We're going to get Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State. Who else? Purdue. Uh, Rutgers. Going to get to those. Going to break those down for you. And we're going to kind of save next week. Folks, do you realize next week at this time, we'll be talking about Nebraska-Illinois game. <laughs> we'll be, next week at this time, it will be the week leading up to week zero. Yeah, we'll have football games, real football games to talk about. So we want to get uh for this upcoming weekend next weekend. So we are wanted to kind of wrap up all the previews this week. And we appreciate everybody that's joining us. A reminder that Uh, If you have not had a chance to watch us, you can check out this podcast in podcast form. Go to LandryFootball.com and uh, check us out there. We think uh, you're going to like checking out what we've got. And certainly you join us right here live. And if you sign up for twitch.tv slash Chris Landry Football, you get notification every time we go live. So uh, we really appreciate you joining us. News and notes. Uh, Look, we've got a lot of them. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it today. Really, I don't want to spend time on it because we can direct you to LandryFootball.com to get all the latest inside news and information around the NFL, around college football, what's going on. Tim Tebow gets released today. Jamal Adams signs a new contract uh, with the Seahawks. We've got all that for you there. All that information, college NFL not just Big Ten, but around the country, what's going on in practices, uh, the game breakdowns, the reviews. We got it all for you inside the film room. LandryFootball.com, take advantage of your football season offer today. I want to start, as I mentioned, we're going to go through Illinois, Maryland, Michigan State, Purdue, Rutgers. We usually go through alphabetical order. Get some overall thoughts on the program and then get into this year's team. We'll take your questions in the chat room when we get to that at the end. It's an interesting hire for Illinois bringing Brett Bielema back to the conference. Those of you that remember him at Wisconsin, I remember Brett when he was a defensive tackle at Iowa and he grew up around good coaches and was the guy that, and he was exposed to Barry Alvarez because Barry was a coach for Hayden Fry. And so when Barry leaves and goes upstairs from his head coaching job at Wisconsin. He pegged Bielama as his replacement and he did a really good job going to Rose Bowls, you know, which Barry did, but to be able to do the job that Brett did, he it was a good foundation of a program that was set by Barry. But Brett did a really good job and he ended up getting uh, Jeff Long hired him at Arkansas, and he thought he, his plan was to come in at Arkansas and build something along the lines of what Alabama was doing and LSU was doing. If you remember when he got the job at Arkansas, Alabama was running power football. LSU would less miles power football, not much passing game. And he thought, well, we're going to do that and we're going to compete at the top level with them. Well, the problem was he didn't get the talent those two programs did. And those two programs, well, Alabama evolved into something better and more modern. Brett could not get the talent and could not really get done what he wanted to get done. And therefore, he he ended up losing his job at Arkansas. And in some ways, they're going back a lot of what they did with Sam Pittman, who he hired. On his staff back then. So, what, how does he fit? First of all, he's from uh, Prophetstown, Illinois. Even though he played at Iowa. He's, I think, going to be real interesting to see. He's got the Big Ten West roots. But, you know, I'm very curious to see what he's done in his time with Bill Belichick and others in football. He's he certainly learned, I think, Other ways to do it. Look at who he hired as his offensive coordinator. Tony Peterson from Appalachian State is an 11 personnel team speed spread type of guy. So I'm curious to see with a lot of unbalanced formations, curious to see what they do, how they evolve. Um, The state of Illinois is a very underrated recruiting state. And so, how well he's able to do that. Um, he's got to win some in-state recruiting battles. Um, if you look at the failure of Lovey Smith, it was never a good fit. It didn't re- relate well to the high school coaches in Illinois. That's been the focus of Pratt. So we'll see where it goes. Now Brandon Peters missed three games to COVID protocol last year, but um, Brandon is the former Michigan transfer that's con- you know competed. With Isaiah Williams. I'm curious to see where this goes. The strength of the offense is up front. Got four starters returning. Center Duck Kramer is again the leader. They got Ferdarian Lowe, uh, the tackle. Uh, Palazuski is back from a serious knee injury. Chase Brown returns at tailback. Chase Hayden, they'll get plenty of work. Tight end with Daniel Barker and Luke Ford. It's a good group. Uh, Defensively, under Lovey Smith, they relied on taking the ball away. They ranked 47th in turnovers Purdue Uh, but this unit allowed way too many yards way too many points so Ryan Walters comes in from Missouri yeah he was kind of pushed out there and a good communicator good effort good attention to details physical all the things that they want to do try to harass the quarterback confuse the quarterback so I'm curious to see how they adapt the talent they've got some big 10 caliber guys but you know not enough and they've got and Owen Corney and Roderick Perry and Jamal Woods, some guys that can be borderline Big Ten All-Star Big Ten players. Linebackers: Kalen Tolson, um, Tariq Barnes coming off of a leg injury is returning. Decent players, just not enough depth at those spots. The secondary: Tony Adams is one of the leading tacklers. Devin Winderspoon is a good corner. So, to me, it's interesting. Um, when you look at a guy like this that's had success, is going back in the league. It's going to come down to how well he's able to put together a recruiting staff that's going to make a difference. It's a state, as I mentioned, that's a little untapped. They've not had the good mix. You've had the Ron Zooks of the world that recruited the state well, didn't coach very well. You had Lovey Smith that brought a lot of NFL pedigree, but they didn't recruit very well. So, you've got to get that happy medium there. you got to have success where you're getting talent in and you're developing it. Maryland is another program that's interesting that Mike Loxley is um, kind of changing the identity of the whole program. It's um, and, and we're going to talk about Michigan State after Maryland. There's some similarities just in a One's in his second year, one's in the third, but Mike Lockley's trying to be a recruiting first program, rebuilding the framework of what he believes he can build in College Park. He knows the area. Um, they want to bring in talent, which is what you need to do, right? But and then they, they, I don't, not really impressed with the plan once they bring those people in, though. Um, I think they can elevate this program in recruiting. I think they can get better and better, but what I worry a little bit about is if they're not able to get the upper tier talent, how are they going to be able to coach the 3-star guys into really good players? I don't know that they have the staff to do it. They have not done much with their defense, their offensive line is not good enough. You know, they trying to run that Alabama offense, but Without those type of players, they just don't match up. It was a good recruiting class again. They brought in Dan Enos. Um, Brian Stewart is coming in on the defensive side. Um, Ron Zook comes in on special teams again, uh, a recruiter. So they've hired recruiters. But how well can they coach this team? Um, Dan Enos will have to have more success than he did at Miami. Certainly was successful in his role that he had in Alabama under Nick Saban. That he was involved, as was Mike, who he worked under with Tua. Now they've got Tulia, who's developing fairly nicely as a quarterback. They want to add more play actions, more screens to this game to play around him. Dante uh Dimas the junior is a is a good target as is Rakeem Jarrett. Um He's probably the most explosive guy since Stefan Diggs. Jayshon Jones, Brian Cobbs. Um, you also have Taysom Fleet Davis who can run, catch, block. Uh, I think Malik Jackson is a prototypical tight end. Jalen Duncan is a, a guy with talent to be an upper-level Big Ten tackle. Jahari Branch was a good addition from the JUCO ranks. Uh, Austin Fontaine played just about everywhere in the middle, and uh, so did Spencer Anderson on the outside. Defensively, you know, look, they had to score a ton of points. They gave up 32 points a game and 430 yards a game. They had to outscore people. Second-worst rushing defense um, in the country. So it's just you you don't give you a chance of success. Now, you've got six starters back on defense, a secondary that's going to be some concern for opponents past defense allowed just six touchdown scores, but you could run the football on them. So it's a little bit deceiving free safety. Nick cross was an all big 10 guy made a bunch of plays for him. He's one of the top safeties in the league. Uh, Mosley was the other safety. That's really good player. Uh, Osada Smith. It's a good recruiting get Antoine Brooks type player. The pass rush should get a little bit better with Darrell, uh, Nakami coming back from the, uh, Leg injury, Mosiah uh, Nazil Kite and Ami Thinu, uh are really good players, and the Stewart kid. We're going to have to get good play out of them. But it's the it's the freshmen like Demian Robinson and Brendan Jennings and Terrence Lewis that are going to have to have an impact and an impact early and help this team. I don't, uh, as I mentioned a little bit early when we broke down in the uh, college football show, Scouts on college football. I, I see them still, both Illinois and. Maryland kind of competing near the bottom, and you know Maryland is a little bit ahead as a program, but I worry about their play at the line of scrimmage. I think that's uh, an issue on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They're just not good enough there yet. The so transition to Michigan State, it's a lot of the same, but one thing that was a big issue for Michigan State last year was. In addition to the normal changes, the transition from coaching the coaches on the staff, this was a l- incredibly late hire, Mel Tucker, in putting his staff together, and you you throw the pandemic on top of that. They got no chance to really put anything together. I, I'm still concerned on how they're trying to build the program, mainly because they're gone from a. What was a Big Ten West style of a program, which worked under D'Antonio and basically really even before that got into Rose Bowl contention and Rose Bowls because they were able to play really good defense. Run the football well and really get good quarterback play that protected the football and was smart, physical, and they were tough out. What Mel Tucker's trying to do is trying to compete with Ohio State in recruiting, or at least compete with Michigan and Penn State in recruiting, to where they are recruiting on an elite level. Like he'd like to get top 10 recruiting classes. And if he can do that at Michigan State, so be it. It's great. My concern is that they're no longer that physical, developmental, consistent, no mistake, grinded out style. So if they fail to get that type of talent, in essence, they're going to have to have elite talent to overcome the way they're coaching. it. They're woefully inconsistent. Um, It's just not a strong coaching staff. So when they have to recruit, let's say a, mostly three stars, how will they develop those guys? I mean, I think it's a fair question, and I'm not sure that that I can be excited about the answer for them. Last year is a throwaway for the reasons I mentioned I think are clear. Got Anthony Russo coming in from Temple as a graduate transfer. Peyton Thorne probably one of the deepest receiver rooms that you're going to have. Naylor and Jalen Reed are really good, big-time speed, but can they get the ball to them? Do they have a plan to get the ball to them? It's a veteran offensive line, all five starters returning. They're not real elite, so can they protect? Can they work in mesh good route concepts? I think the running back room needed to be upgraded. Now, Kenneth Walker comes in from Wake Forest as a solid player. Harold Jarner Jr. goes there as well from Auburn. It's not really a special-looking group there. They're going to run spread. They're going to run some tempo. They're going to get the ball to the receivers. The quarterback play is going to have to really hit. Don't like the tight ends at this point. Burkhorst and Gillison has got some raw ability, but they haven't done a whole lot. Mel Tucker's brought in his 4-2-5 defense. Big change. They lose Naquan Jones to the NFL, but they return everybody else. They got uh, Panuzniak, Drew Jordan, uh, who's a kid that transferred over from Duke. Linebacker is the biggest weakness on the two deep. Saw so four uh, linebackers leave mainly due to the, the style, the scheme change. Now, they did convince the uh, Itavian Brown to leave Minnesota and come over there. They're vulnerable on the back end of their defense. Uh, Kalen Gervin can be a corner that can be a productive player for them. The defense was, remember, that was the no-fly zone. You couldn't throw on them. They're, they're, they're a shell of that now. <clears throat> so I don't know how many stops they get, and I don't know if the quarterback play is going to be good enough to give them much of a chance, much of more than a cursory chance at being successful. I see them as a a slow growth and because they're going to focus so much on recruiting, anything short of top 10 recruiting classes, which has never been the case at Michigan State, it's not going to work. It's just simply not going to work because this coaching staff, the ability to coach them up is going to be an issue. Purdue's. Another interesting plight in that they're in the West. And while they have upgraded one of the least effective recruiting programs at the Power 5 level, and they are one of the youngest recruiting, one of the youngest teams in the country, it'll be interesting to see if they can recruit and develop well enough on defense and at the line of scrimmage to compete in the Big Ten West. So their dilemma is, they're not tough enough or physical enough to match Big Ten West teams, so they have to be explosive enough in the passing game with the quarterback play to out-temple you and beat you that way. So if they're not overly dynamic and can't beat you that way, then how are they going to beat you? And, and this is where we've seen them take a step back from when Jeff was a super hot coach a couple of years ago. That's how it happens. Their wide receivers, their wide receiver room is better than any wide receiver room in the Big Ten other than Ohio State. It's that deep, it's that good. Getting the ball in the hands of the playmakers consistently, getting some stops on defense, play at the line of scrimmage is a problem. It's a big-time problem. It's tough to coach defense over there because they don't have the talent and they've got a head coach that doesn't focus enough on the defense. And look, I'm going to tell you, um, it, it, it goes to show you how quickly things change. How quick has the identity of Purdue and Indiana changed over the past couple of years? This is why when I say, let's see you do it, remember when Purdue, Jeff Romney's going to change it. He's go- That's fine. He had things going, Karlofitis came in really good receivers, Rondell Moore, boom, boom, boom. Okay, you lose a little bit of that. You're not as explosive. Then where do you go? Well, all of a sudden, one good year, it just goes back, and you're like not even in conversation anymore. Indiana has taken over the state in terms of an identity. They have a more uh, tougher identity and profile than Purdue. And they've done it in, in short order. Now, what we need to see is whether Tom Allen in, in Indiana can sustain that, because consistency is the key. Consistency is the key. Um, Brahma's nineteen and twenty-five. It's in some people's eyes a critical fifth season, and I think it's critical because they've. It's not just a win-loss record, but what is your identity? What's your identity going to be? If you're going to be the up temple, fast, spread them out in the Big Ten West, you better be doing good at it, and you better recruit to it, or if you're not, you, you, you need to get somebody in that's going to run and fit more of the <clears throat> matchup against Big Ten West type guys. He's brought in a defense quarter for the second-rate offseason. He brought in Brad Lambert from Marshall, which is takeover for Bob Diaco, whose defense surrendered 34 points. And Brad Lambert, certainly no answer for anybody's defense. They've got some experience and depth the last two years. Um, David Bell is going to be a focal point of the offense. Again, he's a great receiver. Emphasis on capital G, great. Speed, hands, route running ability. Be as good as any receiver in the league. Milton Wright, the junior, really good player. The tight end, Peyton Durham. Very good, particularly in the red zone. Both White and Durham could see their roles expand. The quarterback position, Aiden O'Connell, Jack Plummer, UCLA transfer, Austin Burton, the shirt freshman, Michael um, Alimo. Um, I'm curious to see where this goes going to be the key to fueling the monster, which is the offense. They are in desperate need of a running game. They finished last in the Big Ten in rushing yards per game for the second straight year. Xander Harvath made strides. King Durville took a step back. Harvath is valuable catching the ball out of the backfield. It's probably what he does best. They are returning three starters on the offensive line. They lose left tackle Grant Hermans, who declared for the draft. Sophomore Cam Craig is expected to replace him. Greg Long, who's a grad transfer from UTEP, made six starts at right tackle last year. The interior of the uh, offensive line is experienced. You get Sam Garvin, the center Gus Hartwig, uh, the guards Holsteg and Washington and Stickford. We'll see where that goes. The Western Kentucky transfer, Tyler Witt. That's the problem. That's going to determine... Quarterback play and offensive line is what they are looking for. Running backs as well. So they've got some issues on offense. Other than receivers, they've got question marks everywhere. And defense is not a question mark. They're just bad. They've got in George Kalafotis, a great talent. People can slide their protection his way. They brought in Mark Hagan from Texas to coach the defensive line and Ron English from Florida to coach the corners. But Kalafotis and Demarcus Mitchell are, are potential bookend guys is going to have to really step up and be that guy. That makes you pay if you slide your protection colophilus. Anthony Watts and Lawrence Johnson played inside. The South Carolina transfer Joseph Anderson and Branson Dean is going to add some depth. At linebacker, Auburn transfer, uh, OC Brothers is going to have to help. In the secondary, the best cover corner is the junior, uh, Corey Trice. Cam Allen, who had three of Purdue's interceptions last year is going to start at free safety. Marvin Grant's a hard hitter forced two fumbles last year. we will start at strong safety. So this is a year that we're going to have to see where this uh, Purdue program goes, because it's, um, a real big question mark about where they go from here and what do they have? And with, Indiana, I think watching Indiana and watching Purdue this year is going to be a lot of fun in terms of seeing where the state of the programs are. The last team we'll get to in our Big Ten breakdowns, and we have them all in the books, is Rutgers. And, you know, when Greg Channel took over this time, he was inheriting a Rutgers program that was riding a 21-game losing streak in Big Ten play. Low expectations, Low confidence level, you name it. Had them all. Um, this is the East Coast version of, well, if you look at the first tenure that Greg had, it was kind of like what Kansas State did under Bill Snyder. Tremendous job. Keeps song wood. Recurring the, recruiting the right type of guys. He was able to do all of that in the Big East. It's still a massive rebuild here. I think he's done an effective job of factoring in the transfer portal, working that angle. And I think when you look at it, he's got a chance to do something at Rutgers that is probably what the expectation level is. And that is, Get the team out of the basement and in the middle of the East, not going to contend, nor should they in the Big Ten. I, I think that they're trying to establish their recruiting identity right now, but they uh, they have to have some on-field success to build on schematically uh, what they can do and what he likes to do. They've got to get more talent to do it. They usually are always pick last. Now you got to look at them and say, are they going to finish last? Three and six. You know, what a year that was when you think about the expectation. People didn't know if they can win a game. So this was kind of the, look, Arkansas is a lot better than Rutgers. But like Arkansas went from can't beat anybody to win in three. That's what Rutgers did in the Big Ten. In three of the previous four years, Rutgers finished last in the Big Ten and scored. But under Sean Gleason, they ranked eighth in a 14-team league. They scored at least 20 points a game after reaching that mark just 12 times in the first 52 games in the Big Ten. They were the fourth most improved team in the nation, averaging 13.4 more points than they did in 2019. The two-deep in the season finality returns uh, intact. They get um. He got uh, Noah Vedral, the Nebraska transfer, kind of took over a little bit. He's efficient running the offense. Um, he really runs the the team well. There's some playmakers in this uh, spread offense that they're running. Pacheco and Bull Melton are good receivers. The uh, out of the backfield, Pacheco is. Rutgers is um, a team that likes to run the football. That's what he. Would, uh, they, like to do, but they like to do it now out of the spread. Um, Melton was a, was a player in the Chris Ash area that, that ended up being a good recruit. They returned their entire offensive line. Got a pair of uh, third year starters in the center, Nick Krimen, and the tackle O'Neill. Um, look, they they were able to force a lot of turnovers last year. Um, Nineteen turnovers were in top twenty. They've rigged Tavik behind the line of scrimmage. They're one of the better linebacking cores, and uh, Fatusi is one of the best linebackers in the entire conference. Could have gone into the NFL early. He's a disruptive fourth. He, Tyler and fogg are good players. They're, they're pretty deep in the secondary. Uh, Patrice Rainey, Christian Braswell, Avery Young, um, Trey Avery, Max Melton combined for 70 starts. So it's a pretty good group. 21 sacks a year ago, the most for the program since joining the Big Ten in, in uh, 2014. Rob Smith is a good coach. He's done a good job. So I like where they're headed. I'm not going to sell you on how good they are because they are not that. But I will say that there should be respect for what he's been able to do. And the fact that he's been able to do it so well is very, very impressive. I think that recruiting will be a challenge, but he seems to be doing a better job. And if he can get the talent, the right type of guys in the transfer portal, and I I like a lot of what he's doing in comparison to, say, Boston College. And if you look at it, there's no reason why he can't get Rutgers to where they're you know, finishing maybe fourth in the East at some point. That's the goal, and that's going to bowl games. That's getting it done at Rutgers. So really impressed with uh, what he's done, um, relatively speaking. Hey, folks, we're going to take a quick show. We're going to try to make some of these podcasts. I can see no one's been able to join us in the chat room today. It's okay. We appreciate everybody that does, and we certainly take that into a sorry we lost you there for a second, but we we understand that um, there uh, folks are busy and sometimes you don't have a chance to bring in your comments, but we appreciate uh, those of you that, that chose to listen. And for those of you that are catching us on the podcast, you can join us live and ask your questions um, as we do the show live every um, Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time. So check us out then. I will be coming up probably a little bit earlier i've got a lot to get done in scouts eye on pro football the breakdown the south of the afc and the nfc so i'm going to take about a 15 minute break and we'll try to get started a little bit earlier because i've got something uh, at six o'clock central a personnel meeting in the nfl so um appreciate you joining us and uh, check us out in about 15 minutes as we break down the world of the NFL. Breakdown AFC South, NFC, uh, AFC South, and NFC South um, here in the next hour. Appreciate you and talk to you again in a couple.